as a church because of the years of ministry uh, that Pastor Merrill has put in. And he has a great word for us this morning. Would you welcome Pastor Merrill as he comes to preach the word of God? Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. And it's good to be with you this morning and to be able to present the message uh, this weekend. Always good to get together and be blessed. And I want to join Pastor Darrell in saying commend everybody for coming out on this weekend. A lot of cold, a lot of snow. It may get worse than this next week. But thank you for coming and making the effort. And just glad you're here. Good to see you. For the message this weekend, I'm going to do something a little bit different. We're going to incorporate the weekly reading instead of doing it before we preach. We're going to incorporate the week, weekly reading along with the message rather than reading it separately. Because here in January, first of a new year, I felt it would be good to look at the readings this week at the end of the first month. Because when I read them, I really uh, felt these passages were a priority for the year. We're still in January, starting a new year, 2019. So we're going to begin, even this message today, by reading, the first of all, the Old Testament scripture for this week, which is found in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 to 12, or 1 to 10. It'll be on the screen above. And each of the references for this week, as I uh, saw them, I just could I just sense how important and what a blessing that we could relate to each one of these four messages for this week. So first of all, let's read the first reading, Nehemiah 8, 1 to 10. And it says in Nehemiah 8, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man in the street uh, that was before the water gate, and they spoke unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation of both men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street, that was before that water gaze we read, from the morning to the midday, before the men and the women, and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people that were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon this pulpit of wood, which they'd made just for that purpose. And then it names about 12, uh, 13 men here. Uh, I'm not going to read that because I can't pronounce their names. Uh, but it said, some will stand right hand and lesser. So we'll begin reading now with First Ezra. So you've got all those names down, right? Verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people when he opened it, and all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. And notice what they did with the lifting of their hands. I think it's great. It's fine to lift our hands to the Lord. Or they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord even with their faces to the ground. And then it names all those people again. Verse 8, so they read in the book of the law distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand and Nehemiah, which my translation says, Nehemiah the governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, that were there to interpret for the people at that time, all the people, and they said, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, or weep, 
For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And he said to them, Go your way, eat, drink, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be sorry. And then it ends with a familiar verse, For the, Lord, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. First point I want to make in the message this morning from Nehemiah 8 is the importance of the Word of God in our lives. That really is a blessing, the blessing of hearing and understanding the Word, even as we preach it. Here the people had just returned from captivity of Judah for 70 years. They had been in a foreign nation, away from home. Ezra and Nehemiah actually led the people back to their homeland, and the people asked that the Word of God could be read to them as they had come home. So together in the street, it says in verse 3, from morning, the actual meaning of that word there is from the actual lighting, the daybreak coming from the first light of morning appeared until noon to midday, they read the scripture. And so my message to this point this morning is the importance and the blessing of hearing the word of God. As I read this, all the people gathering in the street to hear the word of God, I, I kind of wondered what would happen if Pastor Darrell, or any pastor of any church for that matter, would say, this week we're going to meet at daybreak outside, and I want you to stand there till noon o'clock, until noon, 12 o'clock, because we're going to read the word of God till noon. I wonder how many people would be there. It's almost funny. <laughs> I don't think so. Don't think so. But these people, why did they come? Because they had been in captivity in another country for 70 years. That's two generations at least. If we took 35 years times two would be 70 years away from anything of their former society, anything from godliness that related to things of God. 70 years, two generations at least. That'd be their parents had been there all their life, and then they Little kids were brought in, and they'd been there all of their life up till now because the children of Israel had forsaken the Lord and had begun to worship idols. So God sent them to live in a nation that was all idols for 70 years. They had not known or been exposed to the things of God for two generations. And now they were back home, and they were hungry to hear God's word again. We call that the Babylonian captivity of Israel as they were defeated and captured by this heathen nation of Babylon and taken captive. Babylon, as you probably know, is where Daniel in the Bible, his three Hebrew friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, the names that the Babylonians had given them, that's where they were. They came there as teenagers, taken captive to a foreign country. Remember the story from Sunday school, probably the fiery furnace that these three guys were put into because as young men in that country, they refused to bow down and worship the golden image that the king had set up for everybody to worship. They disobeyed, and they were put into the fiery furnace, but God brought them out. Remember Daniel? He was cast into the lion's den because he worshiped and prayed to God instead of the king. But the Lord rescued both of these situations 
and, and, and they were brought out. Let me give you a prophecy from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 25, verses 11 and 12, where Jeremiah prophesied that Israel would be in Babylon captivity for 70 years. And that was prophesied probably about 100 years before this happened, ahead of time. And he told the people they would be in captivity for 70 years because of their wickedness and disobedience to God. And Jeremiah, before Daniel was ever born, before Daniel ever went into captive, had already said it's only going to last 70 years. He, left, he lived his whole life in captivity in Babylon. He prayed. If you read the story, he did some real spiritual warfare to see God's will come to pass and that the people could be restored back home. As I said, Daniel read how Jeremiah prophesied. It's written in a book, Jeremiah chapter 25, captivity would end in 70 years. Now Daniel <laughs> has been there for 70 years. And when he read that, he began to calculate how long he had been there, that it was 70 years being fulfilled. Now it had been 70 years, it's time to be released, restored, and be able to go back to Israel. Isaiah also, besides Jeremiah, had prophesied, Isaiah probably close to 200 years ahead of time, chapters 44 and 45, that would come about during the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. Isaiah prophesied this before, a couple hundred years ago, before it ever took place, and he named who would be ruling at that time. Now, in the first part of the message, it said they were taken to Babylon. They were in the Babylonian captivity, but it says here that he is, is uh, the, the king of Persia because Babylon had fallen and the Medes and the Persian had come in and now Persia was ruling. So Cyrus, king of Persia, was mentioned in the word of God long before he was ever born. Daniel, realizing it's time to go home, began to pray it through. And when Cyrus saw, it was pointed out to him, these messages in the prophecy from decades before, that he would be the one that would let the people return home. You know what he did? He did just like it said. And you can read it all the way through the book of Ezra, sending not only the people, but he sent the vessels that had been captured from God's temple in Jerusalem seven years before. He even sent all the temple items back with the people. He was used of God to restore the people back home. It was Ezra and Nehemiah that led the people, brought them back home from captivity. You can read that in, in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah in the Bible. But I said all that to say this. Can you see how and why maybe the people just requested that the Scriptures be read to them? After 70 years of living in a heathen, ungodly, wicked, idol-worshiping country and environment, they had come home and they begged Nehemiah and Ezra to read the word of God back to them that they'd been without. So they built a high pulpit of wood which they stood above all the people and read the word of God from daybreak to midday. It says, as they read, they gave the meaning and explained it. Another translation said they caused it to make sense and help people to understand the reading of the scripture. Before they were finished reading, all the people were crying, weeping, because as the word came forth from God, they realized how far 
They were from God's word. It really affected them. But the leader said to them, this is a day to honor the Lord. He has restored us back. This is a day to rejoice. Let's have a meal together. Let's not think of all the hardship. But we are being restored back from our captivity. So don't be sorrowful anymore. Rejoice. It's time to break forth and be happy. Let's have a meal together. And then comes that great verse that we quote so often. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. This comes, our strength comes not from our crying, not from our weeping, not from our sorrow in our situation, but from our restoration. There is joy and we can rejoice in what God is bringing to pass even in our lives today. We get so used to hearing the gospel. We hear the Bible read. We probably got a lot of Bibles in our home. As most of you know, I go to India a lot. And after a service last night, I was talking to somebody that's been in missionary work in China. And uh, when I go to India, uh, there are idol temples. And I have said, the people that create idols have the ugliest things you've ever seen. And they have these shrines, maybe every couple blocks on the corners, people going to the shrines. It's, an, it's a culture. It's an atmosphere that you live in. And when the church is there, in fact, we are working in Tarsi, India, where I go, we just built a, a new church building there, seats about 700 people. I mean, when you have church, it's full. They come to church because it's standing out. We are God's people in a heathen environment. What a difference that we can have God's work declared and come to church, not because it's so casual, but because it's special, they just long to hear and understand the Word of God. Their parents hadn't made them hear it. They hadn't. Daniel, for 70 years, and all of his uh, age people hadn't heard this. And they were in tears and crying. What's my first point? The importance and blessing of the Word of God. Rejoice, because God's Word is true. Our second reading for this week It's what Pastor Darrell referred to already in Psalms chapter 19, verse 1, where it says, it's number two, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. I like the New Living Translation. It says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. They're like speaking out that God created that. The heavens proclaim the glory of God and the skies display his craftsmanship. What do you... If, how can you miss God? He created all this. I like the word craftsmanship. He created the stars so they don't run into each other. The orbits as they go round and round. The sun, the moon, stars. God showed his craft. He displayed his craftsmanship. How great God is. I like to say if the heavens can declare the glory of God, then we should see the majesty of our creator That's true. If the heavens talk about it, how much more should we be worshiping and praising God? The emphasis here is the worship of God Almighty. So the second reading from Psalms 19.1, the first month this new year, is the importance of worship and the importance, the blessing of worship. If you want to know more about the importance and blessing of worship, just begin to read the Psalms over again. I've, again, this first of the year, I'm reading the Psalms for my daily devotions. And over and over, 
the psalms reflect the glory and the worship of God Almighty. I believe in worship, and we in the church are exhorted to worship God in spirit and in truth in John 4, 24. That's the second thing. Third reading for us as we begin the new year is, and I want to emphasize this, third reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And that's about the importance and the blessing that we have here in church as a body of Christ. Together we're hearing the scripture. We're worshiping God together. So this third reading is found in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31, as seen in the bulletin. Here we have our relationship as members, one of another, into one body, the church. The meaning of that picture is that the church, that's us as a body, it basically is self-explanatory, but I want us just to see it this morning and look at the importance of the blessing that we have even being here. So I said at the beginning, thank you for being here on a cold morning. <laughs> thank you people that couldn't come and you're watching uh, online. We appreciate the fact that we can come together and worship God. What I've said so far, number one, we thank God for the Word of God, as we saw in the Old Testament reading from Nehemiah chapter 8. Secondly, then in the Psalms we saw the meaning and the importance of worship. But now, number three, in the New Testament reading, the emphasis is that we see the importance and blessing of the body of Christ of which we are members. And that's our Christian experience as believers. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, We are the body of Christ and members of his body. Actually, it says you are the members of the body of Christ, members in particular. You have a particular part, a particular gift, a particular function that we have as members of the body. I just want to list these. I said it's mainly self-explanatory. I don't have to preach about it. I don't have time to preach each one of these. But I want you just to look at the verses with me. They'll be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says there is only one body. And I'd like to say he is the head of the body. He's the, Christ is the head of the church. There's only one body, but there are many members of that body. Just like we, for example, have just a body. You look at me, this is what you see is my body up here. But there's a lot of joints. There's a lot of organs. There are things in my side of my body, I don't even know what they are. All of them function, work together. My hands, I can see they move. My fingers move. My feet move. All of those things, I can walk around. Hallelujah. At my old age, I can still do those things. So, what would he say here? Yeah, we're only one body but it's made up of all these members. That's the picture of his body, the church. Look at verse 13. We are put into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. It says, by one spirit are we all baptized. That means put into one body. By the Holy Spirit, he has placed us, and we became Christian because the Spirit moved upon us, and we're a part of his body. Verses 15 to 17 say, one member of the body cannot say to another member, I don't need you any more than our foot or our eye. Use those two examples. Our foot or our eye can say to the rest of the body, I don't need you. <laughs> hey, we are all needed. We, all, we, we need all these parts. We need each other in the body of Christ in the church. Verse 18, God has placed each one of us in his body as it has pleased him. 
That means he's planned what he wants done. He's got a place for us. And how and where we fit into the family of God is all God's working, his plan. We need all the different members in the church. If we were all exactly the same, it wouldn't be a church. We'd all be alike. But God has called us different people to minister and to meet different needs. And that's explained in verses 19 to 24. Then verse 25, it says, God doesn't want any schism or division in his body. I like one translation that says, God wants harmony in his body, the church. And I believe that. Thank God for brothers and sisters who are one in Christ. Verse 26, 27 says, we're all members. And if one member suffers, we all feel his or her pain. Not if we care. We pray, support one another. That's why we write our prayer requests or our praises on, on, on the envelopes when you put in the offering that we can pray and support one another. Verses 26, 27. And then in verse 38 to 31, it says we all have different gifts to be used in the body of Christ, so we should desire the best that we can be in the church. He says, desire earnestly the best gift that you can be. Find out, God, why have you saved me? Not just to sit here on a pew. We're members, one of another. We care for one another. The Holy Spirit placed us here. We have different talents, different degrees. But what I want you to see is the importance of the church and the blessedness, the the, the wonderfulness of us coming together as a church, that we have the sight of what God wants to do, that we might not be just by ourselves, but that we'll be together as all these verses explain to us. That summarizes the teaching on the church and us as members of the body. So it's important in the church. It's also a blessing. That brings me to the fourth uh, scheduled reading. That's in Luke 4, 14 to 21. When Jesus stood up in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, and he began to read from Isaiah 61. Pastor Darrell referred to this earlier too. He began to read where Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do certain things. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. When he finished reading, he said, This day is the scripture fulfilled. He came with the anointing of the Spirit to do what? Number one, to heal the brokenhearted, to carry our burdens, that we could be healed. Amen. Heal the brokenhearted. Number two, to bring deliverance to the captive, to set the captives free, recovering a sight to the blind, so that we can see, as I said, when they read the script, so they could understand, it could be explained to them. We can have sight so we can see the truths of God. Number four, to set at liberty those that are bruised. All in bondage, all that's been broken can be, the, the bruised ones can be liberated. The people have been liberated from the captivity. God set them free. I believe the Spirit of God is upon us so that we can have freedom as we walk in Christ. And, uh, and to preach, this is the year of the Lord. This is the year of God's favor. I'd like to declare that we begin to walk the very first month in that truth that we have the favor of the Lord. Favor of the Lord is upon us. And we need to say the Spirit of God is upon me. And he's going to direct me. And I'm going to see broken 
hearts mended. We're going to see deliverance come. People set free. We can begin to see things we didn't see before. Uh, when we have liberty, when we're bruised, and we'll have the year of God's favor. So our fourth reading gives us the importance of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, to anoint us, Jesus said. And that's the blessing of the victory that Jesus came to bring to us. The victory that Jesus came to provide for each of us as Christians. And the Spirit that is upon Him is available to us. That same Spirit raised Jesus from the dead as quickens our mortal bodies that we might be filled with the Holy Spirit for His anointing, for His touch upon each one of our lives. That's what Jesus came to provide for each one of us. And I say, hallelujah. Thank God for that. And this is the importance and the blessing of God's Spirit in bringing deliverance to each one of us. The readings for this week shows us, number one, in the Old Testament reading, Nehemiah 8, we saw the importance and the blessing of the Word of God. Begin to appreciate the Word. Read the Word through. It'll bless your heart. Secondly, in the Psalms, the importance and blessing of praise and worship. That's why we have worship time in every service, to come into His presence. Number three, in the New Testament, the importance and blessing of the body of Christ, that is the church of which we are all members. And in the Gospels, the importance of the victory and the anointing that Jesus came to bring for each one of us by His Spirit. This morning, may the Lord add His blessing, reading to His Word upon each one of us who came out on a cold day. All of you who are watching online at home, we want to say, may God richly bless you. And everybody say, Amen. Amen.